the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Gosh, you know... You got to show up on the good days. You got to show up on the bad things. Um, it's brutal to say that. I know it's probably less fun to hear it than it is to say it. Um, it's no fun whatsoever. In the middle of the night, there's a flu bug going around. So I found myself watching international markets. And obviously, yesterday after the market, well, you start with the market, right? So you get up at 5 a.m. and you start doing your homework, 4.30, and uh, you take a look at international markets, take a look at how we're going to open, because it's already at that point in time, 7.30 on East Coast time. And so you start taking a look at the, the German DAX or the FTSE or the Nikkei, and you just see you know big, big numbers. Now, they're not awful numbers, because you also should look at the percentages, but stocks extend this week's retreat following a strong start to 2018 in the month of April. Um, April, January. Um, Apple, Alphabet tumbling following earnings. Amazon rallies to new all-time high. Yields continue to rise. Ten-year Treasury touches the highest mark since January 2014. I think that's the story. I think that's the story. I think uh, the earnings are there, but the earnings when put on top of the valuations of the rally after the rally, things are perfect. And in the past, things were, were like, oh, it's not the best job economy. It's not the best economy. Earnings are okay. We've got the tax reform. Let's rally higher. I think, you know, there's a lackluster response going on right now because so good for so long. And it's we went down three percent last year. Usually you go down five percent two or three three or four times. So you can't blame Amazon. You really can't blame Apple because they started off strong today and then they went weaker. Um, but the increase in market rates, it, everything's going to cost more money. And when it costs more money, it's a lot like those tax cut. You know, when when you pay less taxes, you have more money, right? That's the idea. But also, when you have higher interest rates, everything costs more. Housing costs more. And when housing costs more, housing prices tend to fall. In large part, what's this all about? In large part, when interest rates move higher, everything costs more. Mortgage rates go higher. You have less money. It's kind of a bit of a disease. So, interest rates are moving higher because the jobs number today was pretty good. Uh, the inability to sustain large gains yesterday is driving contentions that a near top <clears throat> has been reached for a period of time. We will hit all-time highs again. I don't know when. It may be 10 days, which would be like, whoa. It may be 100 days, which would be like double whoa. It may be 1,000 days, which would be like buying opportunity, right? Um, I'm not saying we're not going to rally by the end of the day because we've been buying on the dips for a long time. I'm saying that historically, this isn't how Wall Street behaves. 
So Dow components, Chevron, Exxon Mobil are da- both down after reporting their earnings result. Visa's down. Merck's a little changed. I have a lot of cash right now, and I've been building it up recently. It might get more interesting for me. So the ten-year on the ten-year uh, Treasury has stretched to two point eight three percent, while the yield on the thirty-year bonds up to three point oh five percent. The two-year note yield of 2.18% is 30 basis points higher than the S&P 500 dividend yield. So the two-year note, 30 basis points isn't much. 30 basis points is one-third of 1%. But now it's starting to pay you money to park money in a two-year treasury note if you think markets are overvalued so versus Parking money in the SP 500. Now, again, the SP 500 is going to have some high increases in dividends because of all that repatriation of cash. But as the market rates go up, the competitive headwind they pose for highly valued stocks does as well, is the bottom line here. Rising rates promise to introduce increased trading volatility as equity investors start saying, you know what, I, can get, I could park money in that two year treasury. I'm good with that because I think the markets are a little overvalued. And if the markets come down in value, you could say, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to put more money in something else, maybe stocks again. The January employment situation report has not helped the interest rate narrative today. Nope. Job growth was solid again, but the focal point was the three-tenths of 1% jump in average hourly earnings. That was in line with expectations. But when you take you know revisions into account, which you kind of have to do with economic data, it left average hourly earnings up 2.9% year over year, highest growth rate since May 2009. Now, for you, that's good. Inflation's been about between 2 to 4% each year for the last 75 years. So you need your wages to go up between 2 to 4% per year. And for years and years and years, it didn't. Last year, it did 2.9%. But your rents probably went up, your cost of your automobiles, maybe sideways, but. Cost of food slightly down, cost of clothing slightly down. Again, this is all depends on what you're eating. Like if you're eating avocados, you're probably oh poor. But there's this big assumption right now that the strengthened economy and the tight labor market are going to invite higher wages and wage-based inflation pressures that have been dormant for years. The key takeaway right now is the January report has given some data-based life to the assumption that the Federal Reserve um, to move ahead with their rate hike at its March meeting. And again, this year's flying by already, right? January's gone. Rising wages are good for the economy. I'm not saying that they're not, but what's good for the economy is not always good for the stock market. Uh, It drives up rate hike expectations and it saps earnings. And we're not getting, you know, it's it's great if you have earnings increases or wage increases, um, because earnings could figure it out for a corporation through productivity, but our productivity is not the best. January non-farm payrolls increased 200,000 over the past three months. Job gains have averaged about 192,000. Um, that's a good number. Um, the average hourly earnings were up three-tenths of a percent after increasing an upwardly four-tenths of a percent in December. Over the last 12 months, they're up 2.9%. Um, average work week in January was 34.3 hours uh, versus 34.5 hours in December. Labor force participation was 62.7% in January, same thing in December. But stocks worldwide are getting schwacked on higher interest rates. And it's fu- it's weird for me to look at. It's weird for me to say. You know, we went from like 24,000 to 25,000 to 26,000 pretty darn fast. So today we're back down under 26,000. No need to panic. We're still having a great year. 
but it's starting to feel like we may have our first correction. We may have our first pullback. Now, again, I don't know. Um, I don't try. I'm not in the business of, of guessing this market. I'm in the business of getting you to retirement. Trump's attack the FBI and Justice Department is the war over the memo, the memo and the Russia investigation heat up. That's out there. What's going to happen this weekend? Oh, father of three victims of Larry Nasser. He lunged at a disgraced doctor in the courtroom. Oh, <laughs> right. Like, can I find one good headline? How about this one? Bitcoin at 8000 market of Bitcoin has lost one hundred and twenty billion in 24 hours. I feel bad for the people that got in at 17,000, but I've always been saying, and I'm trying to say right now, there's no way to analyze this. Now, yes, there will be an alternative to gold at some point in time, but gold has something going in its favor. It's real. Cryptocurrency, it's a blockchain technology that it's not real, and it's not accepted anywhere yet. Yet. Will it be when announcements start happening? That's when you can start analyzing it a little bit better. Bitcoin fell at about $7,700 a coin on Friday, losing 15% before round, rebounding above 8000 9000 was supposed to be the bottom, but that was yesterday. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and stop the clock. Hockey. Been a while. Nick Nolenberger, San Jose Barracuda, AM twelve twenty KDOW's voice of the Barracuda. How are you, Nick? I'm great, Rob. What's going on? Um, New Year. How's uh, uh hockey rolling out? It's uh been a while since we've talked. You've been on the road for quite a while. Yeah, we've been on the road. I, yeah, we just haven't for whatever reason just haven't been uh, able to connect, but certainly good to be back on with you. Just chug along. Just had the All Star break, so we had a couple guys uh, representing um, at the at the All Star Classic in Utica, Utica, New York, earlier this week, and uh, it's kind of uh, what uh, our head coach Roy Sommer uh, called is what the dog days of the, of the year. It's, this is kind of where you make your money. If it, if you don't start winning games in bunches this time of year, you're not going to make the playoffs. So we've got 28 games to go, and it's that final stretch and trying to make a push into the postseason. It's a fun time in hockey because uh, whether it's the NHL or the AHL, you want your team to end the playoffs because playoff hockey is exciting. And so when you win the following night when you're not playing, you're looking at the standings and you're like, okay, which team do I want to lose? Which team do I want to win? It's fun, and I grew up that way, and it probably gave me a better understanding of math. Uh, right now it looks like the Barracuda are on the outside looking in, so they're going to need some help, but they're also going to need to put together a win streak. Um, do they have the players to do it, Nick? It's going to be it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch because there's a few things that go into it. First of all, in the Pacific Division of the American Hockey League, there's eight teams. Well, two of the eight teams, the two Texas teams, they play a 76 game schedule. We play a 68 game schedule, so you can't just factor in simply points. How how it would work in the NHL? We have to use winning percentage. So um, it is a log jam right now. I think we're at a uh, 538 winning percentage, so we're above 500. You win a couple games, and all of a sudden you just kind of jump up the charts because it's it's so you know clogged together. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think we've got a really young team. There's some guys that are starting to kind of get their groove. 
Um, but uh, we had two guys go up back up to the NHL, Marcus Sorensen and Danny O'Regan last week. Those are two big guys that are, you know, are felt when they're not in the lineup. And then our captain, John McCarthy, I don't know if you heard, but uh, he was selected to the United States men's ice hockey team, and he'll be representing them uh, in South Korea. It's starting in about a week and a half he'll be leaving. So he'll be gone as well. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, uh, you know, a village to, to continue on the trend upward and win hockey games. But um, certainly there's been fly- Flashes of some young guys that show that they can step up and, and produce, and it's going to be fun. Though um, I don't, I don't think anybody knows how this next month is going to go. I'm going to be giving away some tickets to the February 14th game of love against Tucson Roadrunners at the end of our segment. But again, taking a look at the team, they're younger this year, but they've also been a victim of call-ups to the NHL. Their success last year created a lot of NHL caliber players, and the Sharks are, are grabbing them. So that's always going to be an interesting situation for the Barracuda. As they succeed, they kind of lose by winning. It's kind of a a tough scenario, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. You can ask uh, our head coach, Roy Sommer, this is 20th year in the American Hockey League. He has more wins than anybody in the league. It's an 82-year-old league, so just gives you an idea of how long he's been around. And He knows he knows it better than anybody else. There's a catch-22. You want to see guys develop, and you want to see guys fulfill their, their childhood dreams, getting calls up, call-ups and, and opportunities in the NHL. But when your best player gets taken out, from uh, under you a bit, I guess uh, it, it can obviously be just human nature, a little bit disappointing, but that's just the nature of the beast. You have one guy go up and it's, it's a next man up type mentality. You guys have to step into those roles and it gives young guys opportunities to, you know, feel the pressure in certain situations, whether it's the power play or the PK um, opportunities at this stage in their career, they wouldn't get in the NHL. Um, you know, you go up to the NHL, some of these guys are went from a top power play guy to, to fourth line grinder. So um, it, it's great opportunities for other guys when, when guys get that call. But yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, the team last year, you have seven guys up in the NHL from last year's team. I mean, that's, that's nearly unheard of to have that many guys be up from a season ago. So it just shows how good the team was last year, but it also shows, you know, the depth for the Sharks in terms of some of their young prospects able to fill the roster again this year and have some guys who, you know, are not of the door to make the that leap themselves so i think the biggest loss for the barracuda came on the defense with the goalie who got called up aaron dell he played a great campaign last year with the barracuda in the playoffs uh took him pretty deep got a little injured troy groshnik has stepped in is groshnik able to carry this team at this point in time because it's been kind of an up and down season so, so for Deller, for Deller, Deller's big year was two years ago in the first season in San Jose is really when he made his mark. Last year, he was up in the NHL the whole time, backing up uh, Martin Jones. So last year, it was all gross. Like he was actually named the, the, the league's goalie of the year. So he, he had a, a banner season. This year, he was a little dinged up. Um, actually just got sent back down from the Sharks uh, with some injuries up at the NH- with the NHL club. So um, it's been a by committee. We have a new guy in by the name of Antoine Beeble that was signed as a free agent. He actually uh, made the all-star team. He's top 10 in both uh, goals against and save percentage in the league. So um, it, it's just a testament to the depth for the, for the Sharks as an organization as a whole. That you've got four guys, whether it's Martin Jones, Aaron Dell, Antoine Beeble, or Troy Grosnick, that are guys that contribute at, can contribute at the next level, especially Martin Jones, who's a perennial all-star every year. But, um, yeah, certainly some depth at what is considered the most important position. You don't have a goalie in hockey in your your you're uh, treading water and not going to have very much success. So certainly uh, nice to have that depth in the organization. 
the most intriguing Barracuda to me, and again, I'm very amateur hack at this, uh, at the start of the season, was Philip Sandberg. He seems like he's going to be a perfect NHL player. How soon until he's ready for the step up, and how is he doing this year for the Barracuda? Yeah, Philip has been another nice addition from, I uh, came over from the Swedish Hockey League, a league the Sharks have had a, a lot of success plucking players from, whether it was Tim Heat or Marcus Sorensen, those guys they were able to sign as free agents, so you don't kind of give anything up for them, and they have come in and, and kind of made that leap. For, for Philip Sandberg, a couple injuries uh, in the early going of the season, so I think he's still kind of figuring it out. The biggest thing for these Europeans when they come over is they actually play on a bigger sheet of ice. When they're in Europe, they come to the to North America, and all of a sudden everything gets a little more congested when you play on a smaller smaller rink. So it takes a little bit of adjustment from a physical standpoint. I think once he gets his stride in terms of his health, because he, he sat out for a bit, uh, he's going to continue to you know kind of knock at the door. I would think Philip is probably a year away um, from, from making that jump. There's some guys that are in front of him, but certainly an intriguing player. Um, brought in again as a free agent and, and uh, making his impact uh, from Europe. I'm going to be giving away tickets at the end of this segment. We're almost out of time. I do want to push the game. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, the day of love, February 14th, 7 o'clock. Four tickets, two pairs of two, but or four four tickets. Take a family. It's a wonderful home event. Tucson Roadrunners, 7 o'clock, uh, San Jose, SAP Arena. Unbelievable facility to see a game in. Uh, any last thoughts from you? And I'll, let me push the number again, 800-516-1220. If anyone wants those four tickets for the Tucson Roadrunners, February 14th, 800-516-1220. Any last thoughts from you? Uh, we play uh, back home tomorrow. So we've, we've got our road trip wraps up tonight here in Stockton, and then we have a home and road. So we'll get the heat tomorrow at home. And first time in about three weeks since we're back at SAP Center. So we hope to see everybody out there. That would be great. And I should do, I should mention that because uh, I'm giving away tickets for three games from now. But before we get there, you've got uh, a couple games to go through. More than that, you've got four games to go through. The Stockton Heat tonight. But then Monday, February 5, you're going to be at home against the Tucson Roadrunners. Saturday, February 10th against the San Diego Goals. I gave away those tickets already. Sunday, February 11th against San Diego Goals. Those are afternooners. Those are unbelievable weekend prize tickets. Call the show 800-516-1220 to get tickets for the February 14th Tucson Roadrunners game. SJBarracuda.com Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW How you feel about a correction happening? A pullback. Not at a 52-week high. Problem or no problem? And by the way, we had a winner out of San Jose for the San Jose Barracuda tickets. And so good hearing from Nick Nolenberger. Again, it's been such a long time. He's a good guy. He's one of those people uh, you kind of glom onto. So Amazon yesterday reports their earnings. And I'm telling you, it's a sexy time, especially for Amazon. And I'm telling you, this guy's a Bond villain one day. Hopefully he doesn't lose his mind because he made six and a half billion dollars yesterday for doing nothing other than reporting mm, pretty good quarter. His net worth this year has already risen seventeen point four billion in January, six and a half billion plus yesterday. He will see his wealth hit one hundred and twenty three billion. He he blew by Warren Buffett. He blew by Bill Gates. He blew by Carlos Slim. Hello. And he kept on running. But you don't care about that, do you? Probably not. You're probably thinking like, hmm, what about me and my portfolio? Well, after the first hour, the markets are kind of moving sideways. We're down about 1% on all the markets. Not too bad, right? 
Or is it? Bank of America has issued their strongest selling indicator after weeks of overextended conditions. They've been talking about it. And now they're stepping up and screaming about it. Is this what's going to cause you to sell or diversify? Or is this going to cause you to put some of that cash that's been sitting on the sidelines to, to work? The firm's chief investment strategist, Michael Hartnett, has repeatedly warned against investor overconfidence, which he says left the market vulnerable for a downturn. Where else did we see that recently? Bitcoin, right? Uh, Bitcoin marched, 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 marched higher in a much faster pa- fashion. And then it fat crashed pretty much in the last week. Now, will it bounce right back? Some people think so. Will the stock market bounce right back? Some people think so. Some people don't. So the S&P 500 is on pace to finish the week with a loss of almost 3%. How about them apples? The market's difficult week is proving to be the culmination of a series of bearish warnings from Bank America, Merrill Lynch's chief investment strategist. For months, he sounded that alarm on what's called the Icarus trade, which is the dad, dad. I wish I could fly. And dad's like, oh, okay, I'm going to pick up feathers and I'm going to melt wax on them and make wings myself. I could fly. I could fly. I could fly. I'm going to go higher and I'm going to go higher and I'm going to go higher. And whoops, I kind of forgot that sun can melt wax. Got too close to the sun, comes tumbling down. Overconfident. I know you're saying, I haven't heard that Icarus story <laughs> summed up in 30 seconds or less ever. And with Rob Black's famous singing voice. Uh, the rough patch also perfectly coincides right now with Bank of America Merrill Lynch market indicator issuing its strongest sell signal to date. It hit an 8.6 out of 10 this week. February 16 was at a zero. January 17, 2017, was at a 2.8. Today, it's at an 8.6. So this indicator was a buying opportunity back in 2016, 2017. And finally, it just kind of went off the hooks, and it looks like it's it's. We'll see where it lands in the next couple of days, because maybe that'll give it you know the pause that refreshes. Bull and bear gauge is finally flashing a firm sell signal. That in the bull and bear gauge, what I remember about it twenty years ago, they would call firms and say, "Okay, Rob, you 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 manage you know hundred million dollars, you manage ten million dollars, you manage fifty million dollars. We're gonna you know write down questions, uh, your answers to your questions." Right now, do you think it's a good time to be a small investor? Right now, do you think it's a good time to be a, a big investor? Right now, do you think it's a good time to be an institutional investor? Right now, do you think it's, we should be raising cash? And you know, I would answer yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Long story short, if you get 85, 90% of people saying yes, then you're, you're due for a surprise. You know, see, like you're kind of like everyone's tipping the boat forward. Everyone sees great things. Now, that doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Man, the news out there today. Crypto coin, Bitcoin at 8,000. Market loses $120 billion in 24 hours. That's fascinating to me. Uh, what else is out there? Bezos' fortune jumped $6.5 billion in hours after hitting a, a home run. Hosting the Super Bowl. Good idea, bad idea. Or would you rather host... Amazon's HQ, too. You've heard about this, right? Amazon's pulled cities and said, we're going to build a second big campus because we can't fit any more people in Seattle. And we promised to bring jobs and economic boom. And the NFL, they target their biggest game of the year, and they say, what city wants us? 
we're going to bring people to your town. We're going to bring visitors to your town. And like Minneapolis, who the heck wants to visit Minneapolis? Right? Not I, said the little pig. So the NFL, how much impact will the NFL's game have? How much infrastructure do they have to throw in? Um, it doesn't generate a huge economic windfall. And the thing with HQ2 out of Amazon is how much does the city have to give up? And how much do they hurt the rest of their citizens by jacking up real estate prices? Amazon refutes a lot of the findings and studies that say um, it's not the greatest idea to build fulfillment centers in your town. So um, a lot of arguments out there, right? So one of the companies you're probably dying to hear me talk about is Apple. Apple reported numbers last night. They're down today about 2%. It's changing. At one point this morning, they were up 4%. But um, Tim Cook, on the earnings call last night, he refused to talk about Android switchers. He always talks about people giving up on the Android platform and switching to Apple. That's telling you something, right? iPhone sales have gone into decline despite the launch of the iPhone 10. Apple showed revenue growth only because of the high price of the iPhone 10. This signals danger for Apple. It's, it's charging more in a shrinking universe for a product that may lo- no longer be observably better. Um, I like my Apple ecosystem, but at some point in time, I'm not paying $1,000 for a phone or $800 for a phone or $600 for a phone. Now, what I don't like is Google's phones are cheaper, but then Google's phone wants you to use Maps and Google uh, and Gmail, and they're serving ads to you. I kind of like the cleanness of Apple, but I can be bought. At what point, though? It's so early on the product cycle, particularly with iPhone 10, only started in November. This is what Cook said, that we do not feel we have data at this point that could be very meaningful to share. So when he was asked the question on the switchers in the quarter, he said, I'll take a punt. Hmm. It's embarrassing because in the past, he didn't take said punt with new phones. So there's no doubt they had a great quarter on so many levels. But is the gig up in the future? Because I've said it once, I'll say it again. Wall Street's not about, you know, what happened last year. Wall Street's about what's happened in the next six months, in my opinion. And again, we could argue that, but that's my opinion. So... um, Taking a look at Apple's strong culture, people who got the HomePod, that's the new speaker for Apple. It competes with Google's speaker. It competes with Siri's Alexa. Alexa's going to have her own commercial during the Super Bowl. I won't spoil it for you for those who don't want spoilers, but her voice gets cracked. Um, The people who bought the HomePod in its first week, it's interesting. 92% were males. Apple enthusiasts are predominantly male of who's going to get the product first day it comes out. And it's it's interesting because 74% of them had not purchased another voice assistant, i.e. waiting for Apple speaker. It's interesting for me. Um, let's see, what else do I need to hit? Um, I want to hit a little bit on Amazon. Not a lot, but a little bit. And I'm going to try to hit a little bit. Uh, Sony CEO stepping down, but he's stepping down at a high. And he's stepping down as Sony went through just an awful, awful 2000 to 2012. Just an awful 12-year period. He came in, kind of turned him around. Um, 
that's interesting note to me. So it, sometimes when a leader leads, sometimes he just wants to go home to his wife and kids. Um, he's not being pushed out. So Amazon, $60 billion in revenue, 60.5 in the last 90 days. Amazon Web Services, $5.1 billion. So extrapolate that. Their web services are worth $20 billion plus a year in growing. Earnings per share, $3.75. Analysts were expecting a buck eighty-three, but they got a big windfall related to the new tax law. Without that benefit, they would have been they would have beat one eighty-three, but not by that much. Um, they talked about future revenue for the first quarter. Um, they guided up. So from thirty-five billion last year to forty-seven to fifty billion this year in the next. Uh, in the first 90 days of the year. So income they expect to be higher. Companies' results showed that their web services are helping them, um, and they continue to operate at a high level, even though they bought Whole Foods, and the reviews are that Whole Foods is not what it used to be, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Coming up, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about real estate and more about the markets. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome back in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking real estate this segment. Let's bring in Allie Lane, community sales manager with Red Hawk from Ponderosa Homes. Allie, tell the listeners a bit about the history of Ponderosa Homes. Well, thank you for having me, Rob. I'm delighted to be on your show. Ponderosa has been building here in the area for many years, since 1968, and we are a local builder with our main office right in Pleasanton, California. And we have a great history of choosing outstanding locations that, you know, integrate innovation and green technologies and great customer service. And it's one of the reasons we've been able to be successful both in the past, today, and tomorrow. As a matter of fact, I actually live in a late 70s Ponderosa home now, and I get compliments all the time about the design when people walk in. It just doesn't look like an old 70s house. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to be giving out your website, and the website's beautiful, and it shows the type of homes we're talking about. You just mentioned new construction versus existing home sales. In my world of economics, yeah. that's big. Tell me what mm. new construction's all about. Well, new construction is going to give you the latest and greatest. I mentioned innovation. I mentioned green technologies. You know, at Red Hawk, one of the things that we have and include in our home purchase is solar which is very big with people today. Um, now, yes, you could retrofit, but then what do you have between your walls? And I can tell you, watching these homes go up, the difference between my 70s home and the innovations that we now have, there is no comparison with the uh, technology that's come to today with the new homes um, in comparison with those of yesteryear. So, and that is one thing that many of the buyers coming to me today have said that they have done everything they can to try to improve their old home in the area, and they just can't get the um, the innovation and the tie-downs for earthquake safety and the insulation and mm-hmm. the roofing and all those things that come now with a new home. Now, I know that construction differs like gold and clay, but I don't know how to pick good construction. What sets Ponderosa apart from other home builders? Well, there's a couple of things. First 
first off, you have to look at location. We do tend to pick A-plus locations in Alameda, Contra Costa County, Santa Clara, um, and we do build also to a high specification level. So while other builders may offer something, it's not a standard feature. As I mentioned already, the solar panels. Um, Something as simple, we think, as pavers in the driveway is something that other builders find um, is a cost they're not willing to share and give to the buyer unless they'll pay for it. We offer standard Wolf range appliances, uh, sub-zero refrigerators, things like that. Um, so those are the things that can set us apart. Additionally, Rob, one of the things that I think is important is that we're a privately held company. And we don't have a huge corporate structure, and therefore we can respond quickly to buyers. Like and, it. I like it. Uh, and the website's gorgeous, yeah. and the, the houses oh. kind of speak for themselves. I like it. So right? what's new in they 2000? And, gorgeous. What's uh-huh. new in 2018 versus 2017 at Ponderosa? Ah, well, we have my new community of Red Hawk in Danville. We're building 20 homes, and this community just opened a couple of weeks ago, so we invite people to come and see us. Now, we also have upcoming a community in Pleasanton, our own backyard, and that's called Rose Avenue Estates, and that will be hopefully started towards the end of this year. Um, and another great community will be uh, Sycamore, and that's coming to Pleasanton as well. So as I mentioned, you know, we do like to stay close to home, and I think that that's great for our buyers in that they can rely on us to be here for them as opposed to a division somewhere, another part of the state and or the other part of the country that needs more attention and leaves this one alone. We're right here. We're your neighbor and your client. And it's important to us to make the experience as rewarding and pleasurable as possible for everyone. Thanks very much. Whether it's your first home or second home or a new community in Danville, potentially in Pleasanton, charming towns, great schools, top-rated small communities, stunning views. That's what it's all about. Homes start roughly at $2 million. Contact Allie Lane. You can get more information by going to the website ponderosahomes.com. That is just like it sounds, ponderosahomes.com, P-O-N-D-E-R-O-S-A, homes.com. Thanks for joining me, Allie. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. Thank you for having me. We've already sold six. We've only got a few left. Come on down. Thanks very much. So I'm talking for about a book that I read called The More of Less by Joshua Becker. Um, I'm fascinated by the concept because I think one of the reasons we're poor is because we collect junk. And it drives me crazy. You know, at least the toys that I had when I was a kid, like Stratego and the Dark Tower, were awesome. Now the toys that they make, they're just, just plastic that just... Ugh. Um, if you get rid of stuff in your house, you have more freedom and who doesn't like freedom. I'm not talking like freedom, like apartheid freedom. I'm talking like freedom where the less you need to live off, the less you need to reach it. Um, at least in terms of financial freedom. So less stress, less items equals less stress. Imagine two rooms, one that's cluttered and messy and another that's tidy and sparse. Which one makes you feel less anxious? Which one makes you feel better? Which one calms you down? I, I, I go into a kitchen and there's dirty dishes. I start cleaning them. Um, less objects will give you less distraction. Everything around us completes, uh, competes for our attention. The less stuff trying to steal from us, the more time you're able to focus on what matters. 
Uh, less environmental impact. The less junk you have in your house, the less you're destroying the planet. To me, we consume... The less we consume, the less damage we do our world. Not including chocolate or beer, which I think is always... Both of those are binge-worthy. But chocolate and beer aren't good for the planet either. So, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.